warmed up. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So again. how are you? I've been good. You know, it's um started the podcast in January and kind of just having fun with it. It's been it's been a way to connect. You know, I haven't really left the house and when I do it's just like everyone else, in and out and totally. it is what it is, right? So this is a good way to connect. It is what it is for sure. And I mean, like, obviously you've, you're blowing it up with, with the, the YYC influencer page. And now, I mean, you quick tri- from January to now, I mean, you ha- you've had some great guests. Yeah. Uh, you've had some pretty notable people within the community and you have a, a following that's building quite quickly as well. So kudos to you. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what the, the business plan looks like for that. Something maybe we can have a coffee over. I, I got to figure out how to how to do it properly as opposed to the half-ass effort that I put into that stuff. <laughs> Are you working right now or? Yeah. 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 Working. Yep. Full time. So it's, it's, uh, it's keeping me quite busy. And then with the little ones, um, yeah, it's pretty full on. And what about ways to keep yourself fit during these times? <sighs> you know what? I just kind of, I, I do, I, prior to lockdowns, I was training at uh, the West Springs uh, F45 yep. and l- absolutely love the workouts there because it's kind of a nice combination of lighter stuff, what I used to do when I was competing, um, but it gets you really fit and you push yourself pretty good. And the, and, the, and the owners and the trainers are awesome there. And then when that's been locked down, I just really, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bonesian, so I live in Bonas. So nice. Bonas High School is just down the street. I can go play around on the field, run around, do some stuff there. And, uh, you know, just nothing too regimented, nothing too specific. I love the community of Bonas in the park and just oh, oh. beautiful. Yeah. yeah well, with the kids it's, and, uh, you know, the park being so close, we can walk to that. It's a great, I mean, you really get a good sense of what Calgary's like in Bonas park because it's so cultural, so diverse. You get all sorts of different, uh, family groups from, you know, all over the city to come there and they're barbecuing and they're celebrating and playing cricket and frisbee and throwing the football around. And it's such a, it's, it's a, that's why that's a big reason why I, I love that area. It's just, you get to see the best of everything going on. And it's kind of an escape, isn't it? From our, it's like, we're in our city, but we're not, it's just trees. It's beautiful, especially summertime. Oh. Totally. Totally. And the only thing I haven't done yet is like uh, disc golf and I, I there's like a course apparently just across the river from it. And um, I can't remember the name of the park on the other side of the river, but uh, might have to give it a shot this year. Oh, that'd be awesome. And I yeah. see a, a bow hunting. Yeah, I got my two bows. I got, uh, I got a few of them, but those are my two traditional bows up there. I got a long bow and a long bow. The top one is a long bow that was made in Latvia um, by um, a Northman, a, a company called the Northman. And it was a gift after the Sochi Olympics. So, on the handle, there's um, an, a plate of bone, and on it, it has my initials and the Olympic rings engraved into it. So it's something my family and my wife and friends all pitched in for. And then below that is a, it's a recurve by a company down in the states called Black Widow. So wow. it's uh, yeah. And both are functional, or are they more for show? No, no, no very functional. Yeah, I shoot. Uh, I I haven't done a ton of shooting this year, but I love shooting archery. Like three, they're called three D competitions. Okay. Um, or just 3d courses where you're outdoors and you're shooting at targets in, in the woods. And then, um, I haven't done much hunting with my, uh, traditional bows yet, but definitely plan on doing more of that in the future. But I need to be, you need to be real good and you need to shoot a lot to, to feel comfortable going out into the, the woods with it. You truly have like one shot, don't you? With the bow when you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and 
Yeah, and if you want to, if you want to do it right, you want to make sure that you're going to put it in the right spot so um, it does its job quickly, and you know you can then go ahead with the the rest of the process and get the meat home and get it uh, butchered out into the freezer as quick as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this is not live, so that's a good thing. But I was wondering about PETA. <laughs> well, that doesn't bother. I, I'm happy to talk about that. Okay, I mean, good. You got you got to you got to hide on the back. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh yeah I don't mind talking about that. I mean. Like I'm pretty, I was, I was an arch, like I was, I would call myself like an archer before a bow hunter for about, I shot a bow for about 10 years before I started hunting. And then when I came to Calgary um, and the hunting community is pretty cool and there's some really good people that I learned a lot from in, in the community. So it's definitely a, it's a, it's a good one. It's a good area to be in Canada for, for, for that sort of pursuit. Yeah. What kind of animals do you hunt usually? Um, anything, uh, deer, elk are mainly the, the, the go, the, the three that I go after, like mule deer, white-tailed deer and elk. Um, and then I'll do some bird hunting as well. So pheasants, uh, grouse, um, and, and sometimes I haven't done duck in a long, long time, but, uh, yeah. Is it tough to get a bird compared to an elk? Much easier to get a bird than an elk. Really? Okay. Yeah. I have thought the other way, cause it's so small and. Well, I, oh yeah, I, I use a shot. I, I mean, I've shot a pheasant with my bow, um, but I mainly I'm, I'm, if I'm bird hunting, I'm going out with the shotgun. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. So it's definitely a, a bit of a different game. Like, yeah, it's with a, it, with a, with a bow is quite an accomplishment to shoot a, to shoot a pheasant in flight with a bow. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. What yeah. are the kilometers an hour they go? you shoot them those these two are like the traditional bows shoot slower so my 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 compound bow is also under my bed in a case my compound bow shoots um so there's there's a couple components to like when you're hunting and shooting an arrow it's you have this speed at which the arrow flies and then the weight of the arrow and then the speed plus the weight essentially equals the energy that's traveling as a projectile um so a heavier with a slower bow, you want to shoot a heavier arrow because it creates more kinetic energy and you want to get the broadhead in as far as, pa- as possible if, if it's not a straight pass through. Um, so my compound shoots just under 300 feet per second and my two recurves are just around 200 feet per second. And are they four star or two star heads? Uh, I shoot um, on my compound, I shoot um, a three star a three blade, a three blade fixed. And then on my, um, on my, on my recurve and longbow, I shoot a big fat two, like a, like a, a forged two blade broad. I'll just get it for you. Wow. That thing is massive. So that's the look of the, that's the broadhead on the, it's just a two blade. It's like, I don't know, I think it's close to two inches and then, and then a feather, a composite feather fletch on the, on the back. Yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun. It's uh, it's fun. That's for sure. They're a lot bigger than I imagined. Wow. What's that? <laughs> the bow itself. Yeah. Yeah. So the the longbow is a sixty inch longbow. So that's that's quite big. Yeah. It's 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 a big one. And then the recurve, when you when you when you put the string on properly, it it compresses everything and makes it quite a bit shorter. And that's why you have those recurved tips on it because what happens is it just, it, 
it starts to enable the, 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 what the wood is supposed to do on the limbs. So it's really creating, it's storing. That's where a lot of that energy comes from. And is it plastic feathers or is it actual real feather? Uh, I have half and half. So there's, um, there's a turkey feather. It's a turkey feather. If it's like a traditional feather, it's like a turkey fletch. Okay. Uh, and then I have, um, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a company came out with um, essentially a very soft composite material that act and respond as, um, uh, as the same, similar to uh, a feather fletch. And the good thing about that is that when you think about it, if the arrow shoots off of the, a piece of wood, so if it's something thick, it actually will deflect the arrow right off the rest. So it compresses and, and feathers compress nicely and then it opens up and then it'll start to rotate as wow. it leaves it. That's leaves super it cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Congrats on doing that. That's an awesome hobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, a teammate got me into archery a long, long time ago and just uh, with kids, it's been a little tougher to get out, but uh, definitely have some fun with it. You got two young ones, don't you? Yep. Uh, my daughter is uh, four and then I got a son who's a year and a half now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. keeping you busy that's good oh that's an understatement buddy <laughs> <laughs> so you know you do archery you got family life and your past is very interesting i mean you went from football to bobsledding is that a common path i mean we've seen that with Lyndon rush but do mm -hmm. others have that as well that's so weird. yeah it, it is in canada because uh bobsleigh is a late entry sport and meaning mm -hmm that nobody in Canada as a kid grows up wanting to be a bobsledder. It's hockey and football and soccer and more traditional accessible sports. Um, you go to Germany and there's six or seven tracks in the country of Germany alone. So it's, it's more access accessible here. It's Whistler and Calgary and that's it. Uh, so what Bobsley Canada does, and this is what was, very similar to Lyndon's path and, and my path are quite similar is that he got recruited out after playing with the university of Sask Saskatoon. Uh, I got recruiting letters um, when I was playing with McMaster, but never really paid much attention to it because my goal was to go play professional football. It wasn't until 2009 that I got a call from then the, the high performance director, Matt Hindle asking me to come out. And I was kind of at a point in my football career where I was going to go into free agency. I'd had a couple season ending injuries and, my dad encouraged me to go try it. Um, but they generally look for bigger athletes that can move fast. Moving us like moving a sled is, um, it's a, like a sled is a two man sleds, 170 kilograms. A, a four man sled has to be at least 211 kilograms. Mm -hmm. So you're moving a significant piece of weight. And generally when you find an athlete, like a, a bigger sprinter or a rugby player or a football player, they're, used to moving force as opposed to just being a running back. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. That was the whole thing. So it's being able to transfer like speed, but also move something in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's learning the technical aspect of how to do it properly and to do it faster and to load and to, um, I mean, learning how to do it, to push something is, I mean, it is, it's, it's as easy as it sounds to be really, really good at it is just like any other form of pursuing mastery. It's looking at, you go from being able to move something like a sled, you know, and take a second off of a push time to training four years to drop your push time by two hundredths of a second. Um, 
And that's where that idea of mastery really comes into something that kind of looks quite simple, um, which is just essentially pushing a bobsled. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Is the bobsled, like the pushing part, is that where you get gain leeway? Is that the timing pretty much where things really matter? Uh, there's three components to the sport. There's the push, the drive, and then the equipment. And um, I think you can't win anymore without a push because it's, there's too many teams that have athletes that are just too good now that they create so much separation at the start. What, this, what, what a really, really good start does for a pilot is it, it gives cushion and, then, and, the, and it gives them time on the way down that if they make a mistake that they have some stored in the bank because of the push. But you also need your, your runners, the steel that we slide on, we call them runners. We need those, we need to have the right runners on. They need to be performing properly. Uh, the sled needs to be tuned properly and the driver needs to be hitting, hitting his or her lines as well. What was your first experience like on a bobsled? Oh, it was a part of my language. It was a shit show. It was awesome. Like it was, uh, I came to push and I learned how to push in the ice house at COP. And then I got my first chance to go down the track in Whistler with Pierre Luders, who's one of the, you know, legendary names in the sport, not just in Canada, like in all of sport worldwide, of course. worldwide in, in, in the sliding sports. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a while. It's, it's one of those things that like, I kind of half-heartedly make jokes about it because there's not really something that you can describe it as. So I jokingly say it's like being in a, a washing machine and then you push the washing machine down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> the, first, the first time but then the more times you go down it then you really start to and again going back to that concept of mastery it's like without looking can you know where you are on a track without seeing where you're going can you feel if you're having a good run or not and so that's really being you know understanding like the feel of what's happening in the sled as you go down as a passenger you know understanding when the tail end slides out a little bit um, so really, uh, you know, Nikki, Nikki Lauda, the race car driver in the movie rush talks about, he was like, I was blessed. I was gifted with a, with a great or a smart ass or something like that. And like, he can feel what's going on in the car. And it's very similar in a bobsled you, because there's not a, there's no data telling you anything in the back or being able to see it's you feel what's going on. So you learn to feel, uh, pressures and taps and skids and all those sorts of things. Do you think one day we'll see? technology in bobsleds there's uh, bobsled is very 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 similar to formula one yeah. in the sense that there are haves and haves nots countries and teams and as much money in the in ingenuity of uh, an engineer being able to understand what the rules are and to play along those rules in, in regards to massive, there's always been technological developments, but it's not, it's technological in the aspects of, um, how, how a sled or how, a, how, um, a steering mechanism can move or how a, we're not allowed having technically suspension, but how steel or a frame responds to pressure. So it's more the understanding of the materials that are being used and how you can improve upon those to, um, utilize energy better down the track. That's where that advantage comes in, really. Are they all fiberglass or carbon fiber? 
it's a mix of carbon fiber, fiberglass, and steel. That's generally the the what every a sled is made up of, and like and duct tape. <laughs> I love that. You gotta have some duct tape. Once you've completed that, I mean, you're still part of that career. But once you completed your football career, went into that, you've also started looking at fintech now. Yeah. How did that happen? That shift or addition? I guess I could say. Um, it was through sport. Funny enough. Um, I worked, you know, I've been <clears throat> up until about a year and a half ago, I was working with my mentor in the finance and oil and gas industry uh, and who really helped me transition from sport to come into this next stage of my life. And, uh, but I got to a point where um, with everything going on in the market, it was time to look for something a little bit different. And I had met Jeff Adamson who was a national team uh, Olympic wrestler uh, and also one of the co-founders of Skip the Dishes. And we met and we, and we met through the sporting world. So it was through the CSI that we got connected. uh, And he told me about what uh, him and his other, the the other co-founders, Chris Reed and and Andrew Chow um, were starting to build in Calgary, which was Neo financial and really not, having a place to, you know, like a, with a CV and a job description that fit like what I had been doing. He, Jeff and I had a few conversations said, well, listen, you can hop on board the partnerships team. And if you want to be a part of something and the idea of being, of really being a part of a, a build with a technology company, um, timing wise, wasn't great. Cause my son was about to be born. Um, but the opportunity was, I don't want to call it a once in a lifetime opportunity, but very, you know, there's a few times in, in your life when, if you put yourself out there enough, you're going to come across people that, and I've, and as somebody for myself, I've always tried to find people who want to accomplish great things and surround myself with those people. Cause I truly believe that's how I learn the best as well. And I've never, I was never great in school. I was never, I was like a C student never great just sitting in a, uh, but, but doing and being a part of and watching. And, and that's how I learned. And that's how I learned to be better at doing other things as well. So uh, the opportunity came up and, and, uh, you know, after talking with my family jumped on board and, you know, a year and a half later, um, you know, we're continuing to scale and build and, uh, and hire like crazy for multitude, multiple roles within the company. And, um, you know, I've moved into a different position within Neo as well. And uh, what really excites me about it is that we're doing something that um, is, you know, if I can leave a small thumbprint on helping build a company that's going to positively impact Canadians all across the country, that's awesome. That's very exciting. So, and to be surrounded by people that also believe that and uh, not only believe in what we're building, but believe in the people that we're with and have a career. I mean, and, and, you know, we're working hard. Don't get me wrong. We're working our butts off. Um, because when you take on a goal like this, I don't think you can do it half-assed, right? Yeah. Exactly. Or if you do want to do it that way, people are going to go by you and you're going to miss windows of opportunity and it's going to take you how much ever longer. And the hurdles that you're going to come up to and the impediments that you're going to come up to are going to be that much harder to overcome as opposed to working dynamically with speed and cohesiveness with understanding that 
you know, we can solve problems quickly because we have a very talented group of people. Um, we can get after things quickly and uh, we can separate ourselves. And, um, you know, it's just like, I look at it very, very similarly when, when I'm leaving sport, I love the competitive aspect. I, it's, I have a competitiveness about me that drives, you know, that drives me for a lot of different things. And this is something that I don't feel like I'm have to put that part of me aside. I can put it into something else. Um, and so, I, you know, when people talk about an athlete transition, especially in amateur athletics, can be a very, very difficult phase. When you've been um, a luge athlete or a figure skater since you're 12 years old and you retire at 30 and you're not even a third of the way through, you know, hopefully a long life and you don't know what to do with yourself, it can be, it, it, it happens to people in their 60s when they retire. So at 30 years old, you know, being able to find something to put that passion into, it's definitely makes that transition uh, a bit easier. Instead of a physical competitiveness, it's more mental. Well, it, yeah. it always has been mental, hasn't it as well? As Both. I mean, you're right. It's, I mean, as an athlete, you get to, you climb, you start at the bottom and you work your way up and you hopefully get to a point where you are um, maybe one day standing, you know, holding a, championship in your hands and you get to retire very few people get to live that storybook mm -hmm. type of ending and i didn't um i haven't been able to uh but it was always physical and mental and then the tough part is is and this is something that my mentor has helped me with it's it's the mental aspect of what drove the physical so being able to take then then that mental uh, determination and put it into skill sets putting your ego aside because you're starting back at the bottom and that is a difficult thing to do, but understanding that if you can do it here and then you, if you can figure out how to do it here, you know, you will find a, a way. Great. And for the listeners, what exactly is Neo financial? And are you guys just still a small team of, like you said, three, four or five of you guys, or has it grown now? Yeah, it's definitely grown. We're at, you know, a few hundred people now. So wow. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, Neo Financial is a technology company at the heart and, and we do operate within, within the fintech space. Um, and we are, you know, we have a couple different products available, uh, including a high interest savings account and, and two types of spend products through, uh, MasterCards. Um, and then that's all paired with, uh, our digital app where they can handle, um, you know, essentially do all of their everyday finances, whether it's uh, withdrawing money or putting money into the savings account, the high interest savings account, um, utilizing the credit card, uh, you know, doing e-transfers or where my world is, is, is really working within the, the marketplace that we are building out across Canada of, you know, local, regional and national businesses that we are uh, partnering with to, uh, showcase to uh, our Neo customers. Um, so it's taking the idea of the co-branded credit card relationship, which we all know exists and exists usually between a financial institution and a large enterprise and uh, providing that tool and that benefit to local and independent and regional businesses all across Canada, as well as some national brands. Don't, I mean, it's not just local. We announced a Hudson's Bay partnership 
and, and we have taken over the co-branded credit card uh, from Capital One uh, recently, but it's, it, it's the idea of that marketplace, which excites not only the customers, but the partners as well. That's huge. Yeah, I know. Everywhere I go in Calgary, I see Neo Financial on the window or when you're inside. I'm like, God, who is Neo Financial? This is awesome yeah. to see this come from obviously Canada. And it's very, I'm guessing, local in a way. It's locally focused, but nationally thought. It's, it's all encompassing. And that's the, the one thing we really, we really like about it. And especially from the partnership side, it's we, you know, we, we want to work with um, we want to work with businesses that are looking to grow and scale and to do things different and utilize technology and, and, and build out a relationship that's meaningful. And it truly is a partnership. So we work together to create value. Uh, and, and, and that's the way in which, you know, we've built this playbook out to continue to, to scale. And I mean, I would encourage you, I, I know a couple of people. So if you want to talk to Jeff or Andrew, I'd be you know happy to make an introduction because it, uh, if you want to talk to somebody who really knows the ins and outs of the space, uh, they're brilliant people, absolutely brilliant people and, and have had, you know, some amazing, uh, success and experience with, with building skip the dishes, which is a Canadian founded company. And, um, I know one of their whys they're doing this now is they don't want, they don't want to see Canada as just to continue as an importer of technology when we can build it ourselves and we can do it ourselves and we can create jobs within our communities and we can support and work with local businesses. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but, um, really fascinating people to have conversations with on how they see and how they look at the opportunities within Canada to continue to build and grow technologies. And I think we're seeing a great movement right now with, you know, companies all across Canada from, um, you know, the East coast to the West coast uh, in Calgary, you know, you have um, businesses and, and tech companies doing great things like Hedversity and Simon. And um, it's awesome to see. It's really, really great to see. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to grab a coffee though, and even feel free to like reach out whenever. You should do your podcast though. Oh, I was just. Oh, are you talking about the thing that I posted on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, that was just a giant joke, and everybody was like actually asking. That is so funny. Then I started messaging Gail. I'm like, dude, we got to do one. We're just going to do one podcast. It's going to be six hours. He's like, man, I can't tell if you're you're, you're messing with me or not. I'm like. I'm not messing with you. He's like, what are you going to, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, everything, everything and anything, everything. He's like, are we going to have guests? I said, absolutely. Who, whoever we want, we're going to do it all one podcast. So it never really went beyond that, but it was definitely funny to chat about it. <laughs> Just leave it the, the public URL for zoom open. Just let anyone come in. Just let anybody come in. Just an open forum. Come on, join. We'll chat about some stuff. You know, we'll get some, we'll, we'll find a way to get a couple really, really interesting people on there. We'll get Neil deGrasse Tyson on somehow. I don't know how. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Do you watch a lot of Joe Rogan? Uh, listen, um, I listen to, I'm select with Joe, but just because it's such a long format, but I usually it's like once a week, I'll check whose guests have been and then I'll download a couple of them and then in throughout the day, it's either just playing or um, there's a, I mean, there's so much good content out there right now that it's tough to pick. It is, yeah. 
everyone's got a podcast and there's so many that are really good and you're just like well yeah exactly so it's you know um meat meat eater is my every every monday i listen to the meat eater podcast and that's a mainly it's a hunting and conservation podcast and it's really well done the guy who runs this guy by the name is steven ranella um he's an author as well Uh, so when you think of a hunting podcast you're i know the the judgment goes to you know what everybody thinks it goes to but it's actually very well put together um he's actually a very good cook as well so a lot of what he talks about is really conservation conservation concerns within the you know the lower 48 um they do talk about hunting and uh but they have some very cool guests on there and um bring the food component right into the middle of it all which is uh which is a big reason why i do it also makes sense there's a guy actually I follow on Instagram, uh, Food and Field Podcast. Have you heard of him? No. I'll have to send you him. He, he just hunts. He's from Alberta and he just hunts bears. He just got one yesterday or the day before. And yeah. I'll show you, look, I'm making it. This is what I'm making out of it. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Well, I, the one thing that I, I do like, you know, with people who, um, there's not everybody who does it right, but there's not everybody who does anything right. So when you find hunting can be a very, very sensitive subject with a lot of people. Um, my sister is a vegetarian, some, you know, vegan sometimes as well, but we can have, um, we can have an honest conversation about a lot of things because I mean, the majority of what my family eats is elk or game or fish that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to catch. Um, we do a little garden in the backyard. Um, so we try to utilize that as much as possible. Um, but when you bring people into the process, some people don't want to know how the sausage is made, but those who do then understand and, re- and sausage is made literally and figuratively, they do gain a, a newfound respect for the reason why a lot of people actually go and get into the woods and go into the mountains to try to, um, you know, shoot an elk or shoot a deer to bring it home to feed their families. And it's delicious. Oh, oh I know. And it's fresh. And, and it's, is there, people say when you do it yourself, there's a different taste or you just feel different when you eat it. For sure. I mean, it's just like anything, right? It's, there's this, um, reward been, for working hard. Well, that it is a reward for sure. And, and I mean, you think about if you want to go Joe Rogan ask and you think about our DNA, I mean, we evolved through all of these time periods and you know working together and hunting uh you know large species like mammoths back in the day like all of this is to think that it hasn't been ingrained somehow into our dna up until now would be silly um and it is a very primitive pursuit and but it is um it is a purposeful pursuit for a lot of people and you know i've, I've met people that you know grew up in hunting families i didn't but they they never they'd never tasted beef until they were like a teenager just because the the food that was being brought to them was stuff out of the you know that they the mom or dad was going out and hunting in the woods. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, and uh, looking forward to connecting, obviously in person. But if not, that we'll have to do another podcast, or I might crash your six hour podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be great. I'll keep you in the loop if that ever happens. But uh, well, yeah, we'll have some fun with it. I appreciate you having me on, Zach. Thanks. Thank and you. if you want to speak with uh, the guys at Neil. Let me know. I'm happy to set that up. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. All right. See you later. Eh? Yeah, have a Take good care. day. Yeah, you too.